Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Hey everyone, Spring Creek was pretty awesome. We are now six out of nine rounds down in the series. So we have WW Ranch, Thunder Valley in Colorado, and Paula in California left on the schedule. But as far as yesterday goes, that was a pretty awesome race. You know, I think there will be some guys that are leaving there frustrated, which we'll get into. But as far as an overall race to watch and be entertained and Wanting all the drama and storylines and all that, I thought it absolutely delivered. It was great all day long. Things were happening that you didn't expect and kind of kept you on the edge of your seat, which is always great. Before we jump into too much of that, I want to thank all the sponsors of this podcast. Pirelli Tires, ProGlow, Blenzol, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and fly racing thank you to all of those guys for being on board let's jump right into it 250 class that was a hell of a race i don't care whose side you're on i don't care who you're cheering for i'm sure you know being in america and all those things home race and everything i think most people are probably cheering for jerry jeremy martin and i probably was too but i don't have anything against Dylan Fernandez. i really respect his talent level and his technique and everything on the bike. He is really entertaining to watch. And I, I kind of sit in amazement as I watch him ride because I, I try to put myself in his position and try, you know, think of myself doing the things he's doing on the motorcycle back when I was racing. And, and there's just no way he is really that talented and that special. And we kind of saw that yesterday. It, it's been hiding for a bit. We've seen him go through all kinds of issues and problems Really, ever since Loretta Lynn's won, it's been a challenge. You know, we saw that talent come out in that comeback ride at, at Ironman coming all the way through the pack. But again, he only got up to, what, second or third in that moto. We haven't seen a day like yesterday in a while. And having said that, it really wasn't any sort of runaway. You know, RJ Hampshire gave him everything he wanted in that first moto. And then the second moto, it was Battle Royale. I mean, what a crazy good moto between the two title contenders. And that's what this series needs and wants is the guys that are battling for the title being up front and duking it out and settle it on the track. You know, we don't, ha we're not going to have bike issues, hopefully bike issues and all these external factors that determine the championship. You know, that's what you always hope for is that the two guys that are in contention, that they get out front, they get good starts and, and let them settle it. Because I, I think that's when you end up seeing the response on the podium that Jeremy Martin gave, you know, where he was respectful, he wasn't downtrodden and he knows he gave it everything he had and he just came up a little bit short, but he, he rode really well. And he proved that at least on that track, which there's an argument to be made there. It's his home track, technically, like his parents own the track. But yes, he should be able to give Dylan Ferrandis everything he wants on that track if he expects to be the champion in this series. But at the same time, we really haven't seen those two go head to head and Jeremy be able to stand up to Ferrandis's pace. You know, every time they've kind of gotten together, whether it's the, I guess the first moto at Ironman or, or any, that's the only thing that comes to mind at the moment. But anytime they've been really close to each other, Ferrandis has shown an ability to just up the pace to a place that J Mark couldn't go to. And that wasn't the case this past weekend. J Mark, while you could say that Ferrandis was a little better and, and that's fair, he went one, one. I thought J-Mart was up to the challenge, and he, he proved to everyone, including Dylan, that, hey, if you want to win, you're just going to have to beat me straight up. And I think that 
that's a dynamic that I think Dylan would willingly take. I think he's up for that. You know, I, I don't think he's going to shy away from anybody in this 250 class. You know, these guys have a ton of experience, whether you're talking about he or J-Mart or Hampshire or all these guys, the guys that are running up front or battling for wins and podiums, you can clearly see an age difference. You know, even Alex Martin, you know, he lands on the podium. He's another guy that's, you know, 30 years old-ish. I think he's 29 maybe. And, and that's showing up on the racetrack. Now, there will be better days ahead for guys like Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence and all these guys. They're coming. Don't get me wrong. But for right now, the domination in the 250 class, and you can even throw Shane McElrath in there. He's He's got some age, an age gap on these guys. Right now, the veterans are, are dominating this 250 class. And, yeah, it, that's going to time out, right? We're probably going to see J-Mart move up fairly soon. I don't know where, but I think I know he has aspirations of that. And you're going to see Amart. I don't know what the future holds for Amart. Maybe he stays at JGR Suzuki on the 250 again. We know Ferrandis is leaving. We think McElrath is leaving. We don't really know. Uh, but we will have room at the front for more of these youngsters. Um, but, yeah, great racing. I think it offers a little bit of everything. I still think we're going to see Jet Lawrence get in the mix here before too long. He's just a touch off the pace of the leaders. But that doesn't mean he can't be a podium guy. I just don't know if he's ready to win a moto if everybody's equal. You know, Ferranis gets a good start. Jamar gets a good start. Hampshire and all these guys. I think that Jed is just a touch off those guys. And at 17 years old, that's nothing to be ashamed of. The future is very bright for Jet Lawrence. And the youth, it will show up. It's coming. You look at he and Ty Masterpool and all these guys that are running up at the front. They're very, very young. And their time is coming. They're just battling against guys that are in their mid-20s and have been down this road many, many times. And they know this series inside and out. And it, they know these tracks. And they just have a leg up for the moment. But that's going to all change. And then the time will come for some of these younger guys. But great racing all day. I, I thought it was just amazing. You know, we saw both Martin brothers on the podium, which is kind of always a feel-good story. It was unbelievably awesome when the NBC crew showed – the dealership that J-Mart worked at, because those of you who are a part of the Pulpamex, you know, listening base, which I would assume everybody listening to this podcast is, you know how much Steve Mathis hates that. And he's been driving that train about how bitter he is. And he thinks it's ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. And you don't even know the half of it because our text messages, he just rails against this whole storyline. And I have to qualify that because it's not like he, he thinks there's something wrong with it. He just thinks it's a little bit misleading because Jmart is financially secure. You know, he's made a lot of money. He's won titles. He's won lots of races. He is paid very well to race dirt bikes. So the fact that financially he needed to go work at a dealership to make ends meet, that's a false narrative. That's not true. So I can understand his frustration with it, but at the same time, nothing makes me more excited than things driving Steve crazy, especially if I have nothing to do with him. If it's external and I didn't cause it or didn't touch it, or there's no backlash to me. Oh man, I, I can't get enough because his frustration is really a beautiful thing to watch. And for those of you who listen to the race review with myself, Steve and Weege, which we will record tonight, Sunday night, it's going to be all time because he's going to go off. I know it. I can see it coming a mile away. He is going to lose his mind on this and when it was playing on the TV screen, I was downstairs. I had this little basement TV area. I was watching it, and I was by myself just yelling and, and hooping and hollering. I was so excited because I knew where this was going. I knew he was going to lose his mind, and then the text messages just started firing off. It was it was joyous. It, it kind of made my day, to be honest. So good times on that front. And, uh, yeah, listen to that race review if you want to hear us get into that tonight because – I'll be honest. I think it's a cool story. Now, I don't disagree with Steve that maybe the narrative's a little misleading. You know, I kind of mentioned that already, but I agree with that because, you know, Steve's point is he could go buy that dealership if he wanted. And that's probably true. But I do think there is something there because I've lived it myself where you, you have an injury and you go see how hard it is to go work a real job. And the effort put in by normal everyday Americans to make a living that's nowhere near the amount of money that Jmart's making, right? They're, you're working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, whatever that may be, 
for a significantly less amount of money than J Mark can make racing his dirt bike. So for me, having done that, you know, I raced dirt bikes for 16 years, something like that. And I know the effort and the things put in, but I also know the potential rewards that womb for racing. And it's not like I was making a million dollars racing, but there were years, especially in the great times of our economy, let's say 2005, six, there was a lot of money to be made. And yes, there was a lot of work put in, but I could go make, you know, three, five, $10,000 on a weekend racing somewhere around the globe. That's a much different dynamic than most everyday hardworking Americans that's just not reality. You can't really do that. Okay. Yeah. If you own your own business, there are certain ways that you could make a ton of money, right? But for most people, the majority, you have a job, you work for an employer and your salary is set and you have within a very tight range, you know what you're going to make that year. And I think for Jeremy to go work somewhere and see how hard that is and the amount of hours that people put in, for the salary that they make, I think that's a little bit of a wake-up call because most racers don't understand that that situation. And that's kind of what I've been trying to argue to Steve, and he, trust me, he doesn't want to hear it at all. But I think there's something to the story because I did it. I have gone through it. I, I worked a little bit before I went pro, and I understood it. Uh, and then after you know, I stopped racing, I absolutely understand it because I spend a ton of hours working for Fly, fly Racing, and they compensate me really well. I have no complaints, but I also understand how many hours and how much effort goes into making that salary. And there isn't this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, if, if I sell a ton more or not even me selling it, but if our brand grows, it's not like my salary is going to double or anything. That's just not how it works. And that's kind of how it goes for racing. So it's a different, and I think Jeremy learned something there. And I think it gave him perspective. And that's really the point I want to make to Steve is, okay, maybe you don't like how the story is being portrayed, but that doesn't make the story untrue. That doesn't mean that J-Mart didn't gain a ton of perspective and learn to appreciate the opportunities that racing gives him and maybe motivate him to work even harder because you look at it how I see it. If you're J-Mart, to go win an outdoor national championship like he's battling for right now, it's probably it's probably a half a million dollar endeavor. And that's not counting race wins or anything. You know, race wins, he's probably making forty to fifty thousand all in. Add on to that a championship is another half a million. And I and I'm guessing because every contract's a little different. But if you won a bunch of races and then the title it's not unrealistic to think you can make seven or $800,000 on top of your salary for having a great summer. Think about how hard most people have to work to earn that much money in their real job. You're talking decades of work to make that much money for most people, right? At minimum, a decade, even for a really good job, you're talking five to 15 years. So I think that's the opportunity that Jmart understands now, and that's the perspective that he's trying to share and maybe he's oversharing it. Maybe they're talking about it too much. Maybe he brings it up too much. That's all fine. But I think Steve's kind of running away with that story. Line a bit. But we'll battle that out tonight. And that's the point I'm going to try to make to him. So we'll see. You guys can be the judge and jury on that. Who wins the argument? Do I make my case to Steve or does he just trample all over me with, with uh, exaggeration and, and hyperbole? But uh, that should be fun anyway. As far as the rest of these guys, I thought – Amart rode really well, which was to be expected. He was the fastest qualifier, which was really cool. That was, I think for him, that's a, a big feather in his cap because you don't really nece necessarily associate raw speed with Amart. So for him to get out there on, again, you know, it's his parents' track, but I thought it was cool. The older guy, the, you know, the underdog story to be the fastest qualifier in a one lap setting, that was a cool story. Hampshire, really, really good. He's still dealing with injuries. His hip is beat up. He's coming off knee surgery, but he's been a revelation this summer. You know, he's had tough motos too, which have kind of kept him out of the championship hunt. But I thought it's been a break, you know, kind of a breakout summer for RJ. Other than, you know, Supercross went really well too. That was good. But I think he's setting himself up to be a title contender, both indoors and out next year. I don't know how you could argue against that. It seems like the team change and the trainer change going over to the Baker's factory, I think it's really helped him 
kind of find himself and, you know, having a baby, I think grounded him a little bit and gave him a lot of motivation, but I really like everything that's happening around RJ's program. And I'm, uh, I'm pretty optimistic for his 2021 title opportunities. Nice day for the Lawrence brothers. I kind of touched on jet there. Hunter bounced back pretty well. You know, he's had a really tough summer. It has not gone well. He dislocated his shoulder without even crashing at the first round. And yes, he was on my fantasy team. That sucked. But a nice day yesterday. I did not pick him yesterday, but he maxed out in, in Pulpamex Fantasy. And it was it had to feel good for him to go. He went 7-5. Really strong day. He went 7-5 for 7th, which sucks. That's a, that's a bummer to see that overall. But the riding is what's really critical for him right now because as we've talked about with that Geico team, and I talked a little bit about that yesterday on my Patreon podcast. If any of you are interested, by the way, in listening to that, it's patreon.com slash industry seating. And it is, yes, it's a, a donation-based podcast, but it's every race day morning. And I go over fantasy, I go over rumors, all the, the latest info that's going to set you up for that morning's race. But I, I invite you to all check that out. But I talked about Hunter a little bit over there, and, and I don't know that he has any security for 2021. And without yesterday's ride helped for sure, but the biggest thing he has going for him is he's Jet's Jet's older brother, and that's crazy to say because Hunter was winning motos in 2019, but the Geico Honda team, which Geico will go away, we know that team has some really hard decisions to make because their budget is most likely getting significantly downsized, and without a title sponsor, all of those contracts other than Jet are up for grabs now. So does that team, do they keep him? Do they keep Hunter because they need to keep Jet? Do they keep J-Mart? You know, what about Shimoda? Shimoda rode really well too. Mumford has promise. I mean, there's, there are a lot of guys on that team that are all facing uncertainty that they were not prepared for. They, did, they thought they were locked in and they were. They all had contracts for 2021, but with this loss of Geico, those contracts are now void. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of pushing and pulling agents and teams and Honda's in the middle of it. And there's really no hard answers right now. Um, I've been pretty close to the situation. I've been talking to a lot of people involved over there, just trying to stay abreast of what's happening. And from what I have gathered, Jet is the only one that sounds like he's going to be on a Honda no matter what. I, and I don't blame Honda there. They're like, hey, this kid is young, crazy talented, charismatic. He has everything that we're looking for. He has international flavor too, which hel- always helps marketing. I don't think they're going to let him go no matter what. I think you will see on a, him on a Honda regardless of the situation or truck or team or anything in 2021 and beyond for a very long time. The rest of those guys, they need to show up. And that's what Hunter did. So, so credit to Hunter. Got a little long-winded there, but he needs to ride like that because his I don't think his contract is certain by any means. And if he wasn't kept on that team, he needs to make a case for him going somewhere else. And rides like yesterday will go a long way to doing that. You know, could he be on a JGR Suzuki or could he be, who knows, would Mitch get, take a flyer on him? I think Star is is spoken for. I don't think they have any room. They have 19 riders already. Uh, but any of these other teams, they have to be looking at Hunter thinking, yeah, he's, he's been down, you know, his stock price is down. If we were looking at it, like the stock market, but there's a re there's a lot of upside there. He could absolutely be a winner and maybe we could get him on the cheap. So keep an eye on that situation. But jet is a, is a big part of that. Cause I don't think jet's going to want to lose his big brother as you know, a part of the team, right? They're, they're going to want to practice together and be on the same equipment and work together as they have in the past. That that's my perception is that if at all possible, Honda would try to keep Hunter because they want to keep jet and and keeping brothers happy is is a really big dynamic that you want to watch out for. So that's it for the two fifties. Talk about the sponsors a little bit. Pirelli tires. Love those guys. They were first on board of this podcast and they, they continue to expand and improve the Scorpion MX range. And those are the tires that I r- last raced on. So if you talk about 2012, 2013, I was using those Scorpion MX tires in the outdoor series. And I was honestly blown away. Now, the cool thing about Pirelli is that they race on the same tires that you can go buy. And that, that is not a common situation in the pits. They're, the competition they're up against, if you 
go into your local dealer and buy a tire, it's going to be a completely different compound, some sometimes different even tread pattern, oh, just slightly than what the guys are racing with on the weekends. And that that's not what Pirelli does. Pirelli races what they sell. Same compound, same tread pattern, same everything, sidewalls, all that stuff. So you're getting the same quality of tire that Amart's setting the fastest lap on and hole shotting, Freddie Norin, Joey Savacci, all these guys. So same thing for Europe too. So that's a really cool aspect um, that they've asked me to share with. And I, and I kind of knew that. And I have a, I have a problem with thinking that stuff is common knowledge when a lot of times it's not. So I need to make sure that you guys know that that's one of the biggest keys to Pirelli is you're getting race level tires right from your local dealer. You can go buy them. So you're getting that high level performance. Now, Alex Martin was running that scoop tire yesterday. And for, I think for a lot of guys, that's probably overkill. You know, if you're racing in soft conditions, it's amazing, but you have, you can't really use it on a hard pack track. It's not going to work as well. But if you're riding the sand, like if you ride in new England and you're riding soft conditions or something, if you're riding in Florida, that scoop tire is amazing and actually just got available in 12 inch and 16 inch for mini bikes. So that's pretty cool. My favorite is the MX 32 mid soft. I've talked to you guys about that several times in this podcast. I think it's, it's range of use is really wide. It's straight line acceleration is really tough to beat as far as, unless you're going to the full scoop, right? That's a whole different level of straight line acceleration. But I think the mid soft is really the way to go. So check out Pirelli tires, go to at Pirelli MX and the link in the bio to join their rider support program is there as well. Now, last week was the first podcast that ProGlow has joined the industry seating podcast. They have a line of power sports cleaning solution. That will get your equipment looking sharp in no time. I actually just got some Pro Glow, so I need to break that out today and wash my street bike with it. Try the degreaser for those greasy, grimy surfaces, and the Power Sports Wash can take off just about anything you can throw at it. I use it, which I will be today, and so should you. Use code MOTO15, MOTO the number 15, to get 15% off your order at www.goproglow.com. That's G O P R O. Glow, just like it sounds, G-L-O-W.com. So thanks to Pro Glow for joining the podcast and looking forward to better days ahead. On that front, Buenzal.com. Now, Buenzal Oils has been around forever and ever, but they're making a big comeback. New ownership, new direction, new motivation, and these guys are so involved. And if you, for me, it was the same thing, right? I'd seen Buenzal stickers around the WPS warehouse, and, you know, the the brand is steeped in tradition, but it kind of lost their way a little bit. You know, I don't think they really had any direction. And then David came along, David Schloss came along and, and has rejuvenated this entire brand. The cool thing is, is their product has been amazing all along. Just kind of no one really knew about it anymore, right? All these new customers came into the market and they didn't have any product familiarity with Blenzol. So David's trying to change all that. And you can go to at Blenzall. You can go to Blenzall.com to learn more. And part of that rejuvenation, they, they've signed Michael Lessie, and he's racing a Blenzall YZ125 at a lot of these two-stroke races. He was supposed to race it all summer at the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Invitational Races, which would have been amazing. But unfortunately, they canceled all those because of COVID-19. So he broke it out, went to the Pasha 125 race, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That was at Glen Helen. And he went out and went 1-1 dominated. Finally, he got to race that bike. You see what it's capable of using Blenzol products. It's got Blenzol graphics all over the thing, but that was pretty awesome. So check out at Blenzol Instagram to learn more and give Blenzol a chance. I think the products they have, whether it's two stroke or four stroke can, can really make a difference. They, you know, the engineering behind these products is next level. And it's been that way for a very long time. I think you know, unfortunately, they just kind of fell out of the, the line of sight for most consumers. And without anyone pushing a brand, trust me, I know this all too well, it's easy for other people to come in and steal that limelight. So it's great to see an established, long-term traditional brand like Blenzol getting back into the game. So check those guys out and support people that are investing in the sport. Works Connection, com at Works Connection on Instagram. Pro launch start device still ripping hole shots. See those Monster Star Yamahas, they hole shot nearly every single time using a Pro launch start device. 
I saw something pretty cool that I was looking on their website this morning. They have customized uh, reservoir caps. So like the clutch uh, for hydraulic clutch, front and rear brake reservoir caps. You can get different colors and really customize your bike. It's pretty cool. And then another thing too, they have tack hour meters. So if you're getting a new bike, we just saw that 21 Honda release. The new Yamahas have just come out. Everybody's dropping their bikes right now. Get a tack hour meter so you so you know exactly when you need to service things. And that will lead into another sponsor, which is 612 suspension. You can use that tack hour meter at works connection to keep an eye on your hours and know when you need to service your suspension. Now, my opinion, you need to service, service it right now. You need to service that suspension, get your oil changed, get revalved. 612 suspension uses all race tech parts and install techniques. And you can go to six. That's S-I-X number one, two suspension.com or at 612 suspension on Instagram and learn more, but they do it all. They do anything really for power sports, UTV, ATV, motorcycles, dual sport, street bikes, whatever the, the usage for you might be 612 suspension and race tech have a solution for you. So go check those guys out. And if you need to get something dialed in, which I already mentioned, I think you probably do. Maybe you just got a brand new bike. You need to get that get that crappy stock oil out of there and get some quality materials and quality valving and everything. Get it set up for your height, weight, skill level at 612suspension.com. Now, Premier Vapor Blasting, they're voted number one for your vapor blasting needs. And I need to ask them, who voted on this? Was this a nationwide vote? I don't know if this is just, you know, brand speak or what. Trust me, I, I write a lot of reads for Fly Racing, so I understand it. But they were voted number one for your vapor blasting needs. Now, vapor blasting is the safest method in surface restoration. They are never going to compromise your product integrity like other traditional methods can. Not only is it safe for items like rubber and plastic, it's gentle enough to clean items like radiators, like, you know, the little radiator fins. Those things you have to be really careful with. And this uh, vapor blasting is gentle enough to do even that. So check those guys out. If you mention the industry seating podcast, you get a 25% discount. Their Instagram is at premier vapor blasting and you can go to premier vapor to learn more. Ask for Brandon over there. Great guys, full moto. And, uh, again, that's what this podcast is all about is, is moto people associating with moto people and, and keeping it all in the family. Now, Plum Creek funding, this is, this one's fun for me because I've been learning so much about finance and yeah, all this stuff, you know, federal interest rates and all this stuff during the pandemic. It's, it's a goal I set for myself to, is to get much more up to speed on the world around me, not just moto, but things that are going on that can affect my financial future, stock market, housing market. You know, if the fed decides something as far as interest rates, how does that affect me personally? Now, Zach Morris over at Plum Creek Funding can do the same for you because there was a big Federal Reserve meeting. Jay Powell came out and said, listen, we're going to keep interest rates low for the foreseeable future. And that means probably 21, 22, 23. The great news is for all of you, that gives you time to prepare for this. Now, I've already had a bunch of my friends work with Zach to get their stuff dialed. Guys like Connor Fields, Olympic BMX gold medalist, did a refinance on his properties with Plum Creek Funding. Steve Mathis, which all of you know, Pulp MX, he is going through a refi with Plum Creek funding right now. They're actually just in the early stages of it. For myself, I had an investment property. It didn't really make sense, but that's a great part too, is Zach can give you insight and say, okay, these are the numbers. This is what closing costs are going to be. This is what it's going to change. And long-term, this is the financial horizon, you know, the money you can save, or is it, you know, is it the right move for you? And this is the rate you're going to end up at if you go through this process. If you're going to buy something, that's great too. I, I, for me, that's what I'm going to be doing in the next one to two to three years, depending on what the Boise real estate market does. I'm going to buy something because rates like this, I don't know that we're going to ever see them again, right? The government is doing everything possible to stimulate the economy and to keep people buying homes and keep that market, you know, above board and not go back down the road. We went in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to make the most of that and lock myself into a 30 year fixed mortgage at this crazy low rate. And I'm hoping to get under 3%. That That's my goal at some point in the next year is to, to buy a property that's under 3%. You cannot lose unless, you know, America just burns to the ground, which anything's possible, but on a mortgage with an interest rate that low, it's, it's very hard to lose. And we're not going to see it again. Once the, once America recovers, 
COVID-19 is a thing of the past, what, however you want to approach that subject, they are going to raise interest rates again in the future. That's, that is a necessity. It, it, it has to happen for banking institutions to make money and America, when it becomes solvent again, interest rates are going to go up and then you're not going to ever see rates like this again for a very, very long time. So the point I'm trying to make is reach out to Zach. His phone number is 720-212-4685 and just ask questions, right? He's a down to earth guy. He rides moto. He's trying to get me to go into Colorado early and ride with him. I don't know if I'm going to be able to or not, but ask questions about what's the right situation for you. If you may already have properties, but this is a great time to get your interest rate down you may be looking to buy your first house, right? And, and there are a lot of different ways that you can benefit because the government and even state governments are doing everything in their power to get people to buy right now. So Pump Creek Funding on Instagram, call Zach, text him, get to the bottom of it. Like I said, my friends are already doing it. Uh, I have a friend in Colorado, Tori. She's already taking advantage of this too. And saving money never goes out of style. Saving money is awesome. And it's free. Yeah, you have to go through this process and everybody hates paperwork and blah, blah, blah. But if, you know, like for me, I saved $64,000 over the course of my loan. That's a pretty fun process to go through when you're going to tell me I'm saving sixty four grand over the next 10 years. So I am, I am down with that at any time. If anybody has a way for me to save sixty grand, you let me know because I'm all about it. Fast Foundry, Tech Solution. And I was on their website this morning. I get up early before these podcasts and, and kind of see what's new and what's happening with these companies that I'm associated with. And I saw something that I wanted to bring to light. Now, Fast Foundry is a tech solution, as I mentioned, and it doesn't matter if you're a startup. It doesn't matter if you're an established company. They work with Fortune 500 companies. They do all kinds of things, but really what they do is they get companies modernized. They update their automation. And what I saw is for a lot of companies, and I know this because fly racing has been going through this is you really want to get efficient with mobile. You want to get your website or your business to be optimized for mobile because let's be real. Everybody is using their phones or tablets to do business these days. That social dilemma show that's on Netflix. I'm not all the way through it yet, but I, I think that's a wake up call to where that's the world, where the world is. That's where business is. And I know for our fly racing website, that's what we really made a, a big priority was to make sure that it was completely optimized for a mobile experience because that's where we see everything going, right? Yes, of course, computer-based you know, business is still there and that's an important part of it. But for the younger demographic that's only going to get older, you have to make sure you can reach them and be efficient and it has to be a great mobile experience to be able to capture capture that customer and to keep them, you know, you want to create a loyal customer base and keep people coming back. A great way to do that for younger people is to make it a friendly and yeah, satisfying experience on their cell phones because that's how they want to do business, whether it's on Amazon or whatever the case is, whether it's on your personal website, they're most likely going to do it via mobile moving forward. So check those guys out. Go to fastfoundry.com. You can call them at 208-991-3320. Ask for Robert, or you can go to fastfoundry.com to learn more and get up to speed, get your business up to speed for mobile experience. Last but not least, Fly Racing. Won't take up too much of that time, but you guys all know what to do. Go to flyracing.com. Check out the Formula Helmet. 2021 is here. Check out everything we have to offer. We will have some new stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks, which I will talk about more in the, well, let's say two weeks out, but a new product coming out should be exciting. I have to uh, do some marketing for it this week. So look for that around the Thunder Valley round. That's about the most information I can give you is check it out. Colorado round. It'll drop 450 class. What a day. Adam Cincerello wins his first one, one day. He won the overall at Redbud too, as we know, but going one, one is a little bit different. I think it's more of a kind of a, a stamp that you put on the day is like, Hey, I was the best guy today. The confidence that AC is gaining from days like that, I don't think can be understated. Now the problems that Zach Osborne had really changed the outlook of this championship because going in, I felt like Zach had a, a really 
strong grip on the series. You know, Marvin hasn't been overwhelmingly good. He's been solid, but not anything that you're like, oh man, I don't know if I can withstand this Marv charge. And then Tomac, you can just see that he's not the same guy that he was going back to man June. To me, he just looks like he took a bunch of time off and he looks, I don't want to say disinterested, but I don't think this Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship was the most pressing thing he's ever faced. I, I think he took time off. I think he wanted to spend time with his new baby and his, and his uh, I don't know if he, he's married or what the situation is, nor does it any of my business, but the mother of his child, he wanted to spend time with him. And you can just see he's just a touch off of his normal self. But then we go to Spring Creek and everything changes. AC goes 1-1, as we mentioned. Zach has all kinds of issues throughout the day. I don't know what was going on before the race with the bike. They were looked like they were messing with the water pump cover. I, I, I'm not a mechanic, so I can't be sure. And then he gets a front flat tire, and you're just like, oh, my God. You just see the points coming down and down and down. And now we have a three-way run within 20 points. And AC being the big benefactor there, his 1-1 brought him to within 15 points. And for a guy that really wasn't in title contention going into the day, he absolutely is now. I think he went from a guy that Osborne wasn't really worried about to this is a guy I got to stress about a little bit now. And this isn't new for, you know, these guys go back to their 250 days of battling for, you know, championships and race wins. So this isn't anything new. And they've had run-ins in the past and they were not big fans of each other at all going back to 2017, 2018. So watch for that uh, brand new championship dynamic there. Tomac's pretty much out of it at this point. I think we can safely say his championship run is over and now it's between these three. And of the, of the three, I think it's going to come down to Zach and AC. I just don't, I haven't seen enough from Marv. You know, he, he had another great opportunity in that second moto to really make the most of it. He could have really brought this title down to nothing. It could have been single digits if Marv has a good moto, but he has a big crash. He gives up a ton of points as well. And just another missed opportunity for Marvin. And it's kind of been the theme for him in his championship runs. And you hate to say that because I think Marv is a really, really nice guy. And I, I have nothing negative to say. But if you're looking at it from a really broad scope, it seems that every time he's been in these championship situations, he's had a mistake or a problem at a really crit- critical, pivotal moment, or he's just missed a big opportunity. You know, you go back to Southwick a few years ago where he had that crash in DNF where it seemed like he could have kept going and he, and he pulled off. He left points on the table that, that that probably cost him that outdoor championship. And you wonder if this crash at Millville could end up being the same thing, right? That, that crash in the second moto, if he goes out there and gets second or third in that moto, maybe he gets third. It was a tough race, right? Sexton rode really well, Baggett rode really well. But, but having a big crash like that and giving up points, you can't do that. When you have the opportunity in front of you and, and Osborne gets a flat front, that's when you have to stand up and put in your best effort. You have to capitalize on those situations in a short series like this, period. Like, there's no other way to look at it. When your competition is struggling, champions, they capitalize. That's, that's a recurring theme that it always rings true, happens every single year. Look at Ryan Dungey in 2017. You know, Tomac has a problem at New Jersey and everything is going Tomac's way. Dungey steps up and gets it done. right. That, that's just what champions do. And unfortunately for Marvin, it just hasn't gone that way for him. So we'll see how this plays out. But for a series that seemed to be trending towards being wrapped up, it's not wrapped up. Now you have the guy with all the momentum, which is Adam Cincerillo going into a Florida race that he will be very good at. Make no mistake. And he's only 15 points down and he has, breathe the life into his championship chances. And then the other side is that Zach Osborne. He's pretty resilient. Talked to him a little bit last night. He's not downtrodden at all. He is very, very optimistic about his chances here. And I think, I think Steve Mathis made a great point that, and we'll talk about this more on the, on the race review that if you went to Zach before the series and said, Hey, we have an offer for you. There are three races left and you have a 15 point lead going into three races left. Would you take that? Would, would he sign up for that going into the series? I think a hundred times out of a hundred, he would take that. So if you look at it with those, you know, in that lens, this is a great situation, 
Now, if you look at the the short term or, you know, the micro, a bad day and you had a, you know, 25 plus point lead and all those things. Okay. Yeah. It's, that's a different scenario. But if you just look at it from that before the series, all things considered three races to go and you're up 15, would you sign up for that? I think he would do that immediately and be smiling. He'd be so excited about that opportunity. So he has to look at it that way and say, I would take this every single time if this was given to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to run with it from here. And I still think that Zach is capable of winning every single time out right now. You know, you look at the main competition in the past, guys like Tomac, he's pretty much out of it, right? And that's who I would fear the most going into a series is Tomac. His championship's pretty much done. So you don't have to worry about him. You have to race a 450 rookie in Adam Cicerillo. And you have to deal with Marvin, who is, he's pretty beat up, right? His knee is not good and his fitness is not where it needs to be in that second moto. And, it, and I think you're going to see that fitness issue show up at WW Ranch where it's going to be pretty hot. So I still like Zach Osborne's chances, but I think he does have a problem on his hands with AC because AC is on a roll right now and has a ton of confidence going into some racetracks where he rides really well. You know, WW Ranch will be good. Colorado, I'm kind of neutral on, on everybody. Uh, Tomac would be the only guy that seems to have an edge there and he's kind of out of it. And then I think Paula too is, is up for grabs for all these guys as well. Justin Barsha, solid day. I don't know what to, this whole gas, gas Yamaha thing. I'm done. I'm just tapping out on the whole thing because I don't know what to make of it anymore. I've come to, you know, this Patreon podcast to do in the mornings. I've talked about it. Some I've talked about it on this podcast as well. We talked about it on every show we do. It's been back and forth so many times. I give up like until it's signed and done and delivered, I'm out right? Because we thought it was going gas, gas. Then Yamaha comes in and matches with first rider refusal. Now he's going back to gas, gas again. So forget it. Like, do you guys want to play games? Don't bring me into it. I'm just going to wait it out at this point. Now, I think there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes. I think that the monster and Red Bull dynamic is a part of this. I know there was another rider that was involved in this too. That Rockstar was a big factor in that. So there have been a lot of moving pieces in this whole deal. And I guess if you're Justin Barsha, you're just like, yeah, yeah, let's go back and forth. Keep raising the offers. Let's go. Who wants me the most? So there's really no lose for Barsha here, but trying to report on it, we just look foolish because we, we get hard information that seems like it's a done deal. And then two days later, it's like, nope, we're going another direction. So I'm not going to put myself in that spot anymore. I'll just wait until the contract's actually signed. But it does look like he's going back to gas, gas. And I heard it's done, but I've heard that before. So we'll see if it is actually done and what, uh, what the situation is moving forward. But he is riding really well. It's great to have a, a competitive Justin Barsha back in the series. I should mention, too, in that whole gas, gas Yamaha deal, Nate Thrasher is in the middle of that, too. So it seems like there's a lot of tit for tat going on. Because Nate Thrasher was supposed to make his debut for TLD KTM. But he is going to Monster Star Yamaha next year. So it seems like as a, I want to say the right, the wrong thing here, but in retaliation for Monster Star Yamaha coming in and stealing Thrasher away, which is what I think they did. I think they found a loophole in the contract and got Thrasher out of a KTM deal. And they're going to take him to Monster Star Yamaha for the, you know, like I said, 19th rider or whatever they got. It seems like. KTM retaliated and said, you know what? You're not going to race this weekend. No, thank you. We'll just go with who we have. And you're not going to race Spring Creek for TLD KTM. If you're going to leave and go to Monster Star Yamaha, we'll just rescind that offer and we'll just keep you as an amateur. So there's a lot going on there. And it seems like each side is taking swings. You know, Monster Star Star Yamaha does this. So then TLD KTM, which will be the gas gas team. That's kind of how that dynamic fits in is that that TLD KTM will become Red Bull TLD gas gas. So they're just going back and forth. They're just punishing each other and taking swings at each other. And, Oh, you want to do that? Okay. Well, we're going to do this. And it's all, I don't want to say it's childish because I would probably be doing the same thing. I would be bitter as well. But when you look at it, you're, you're not really accomplishing anything. It's just a lot of Ah, it's just drama. There's got to be so much that I don't know about too, right? I hear a lot of things, but I'm not in the middle of it. I'm not, you know, on the ground floor of those decisions. And I bet it's, I bet there's crazy stuff going on behind, behind closed doors that never sees the light of day. 
So just keep an eye on that and how the energy drink factor is playing into all those decisions too. And we'll see come January, 2021, how it all shakes out. Chase Sexton, good ride from him. He crashed in that first moto and, and lost some positions there, which was a bummer. But as I've mentioned before, I'm, I'm pretty upbeat on Sexton's chances. He's been really good all summer. And for a rookie who's never raced a 450 before to jump in and be with the big dogs who have been there for years and years, it's been really special to watch. You know, he's a fastest qualifier. He was really fast. He's showing speed. He's showing endurance. He's showing patience and technique and all the things you would want. So great call by HRC Honda, putting him on that bike and great job for everybody. That's a, a part of that team. Now, one thing that's will be interesting to watch is he and Adam Cincerillo have been practicing together quite a bit. Now in the past, we've seen that when two alpha 450 guys practice together, a lot of times it doesn't work because there are too many egos and you know, all the people around them create drama and you don't want your competition to see what you're doing and learn your techniques. And I don't know, we'll see. Hopefully it works out. I I am kind of a fan of when these guys can put pride and ego aside and work together to both become better. That's something that's hard to do, right? It sounds great in theory, but it's difficult to actually execute and keep everybody's egos and aspirations and all these things in check. But if you find the right two people and you say, listen, we both are going to do the best we can, right? We're going to race each other hard on Saturdays, but if we work together and we train together and we push each other during the week, we can both get better. There is something to be said for that. It's just really, really hard to pull off, but I'm rooting for him. I, I think there is a chance that those two can work together and make the most of it, right? They can, they can use each other and use the intensity and the youth and the, you know, they have these bright futures to make sure that they stay on the very, very forefront of the intensity and all the things you need to win in that 450 class. So just watch for that and see if, see if there's a break, right? You hear rumors of, yeah, AC's riding over here now and Sexton went this direction with James Stewart, right? That's, that's what I'll be watching for because I don't think you're going to hear like, oh yeah, they hate each other now. I just think there'll be some sort of subtle change in their practicing. Also, you got to factor in Ken Roxon. Where is he going to fit into that? Because remember, that was AC's practice buddy, right? Sex or excuse me, AC and Roxon were practice buddies. I don't know that Roxon is going to want to practice with Sexton all the time because I think there's already a tiny bit of friction there. I don't think it's you know like angst, but I think there is a little bit of hey, who's going to be the alpha at Honda, right? Because that's been the Kenny show. And make no mistake, that has been the fact. Ken Roxon has been steering the ship at Honda for a year or two now. With Sexton coming in, he's going to be like, hey, I, I'm over here too. I can win, right? So how does that all play out? Do AC and Roxon still practice together? How does Sexton fit into that dynamic? I don't think that Roxon's going to want to practice with Sexton every day. That That's my personal opinion. I don't think Roxon's going to want to show Sexton all the tricks and, hey, this is how you become a championship guy in 450 class. So watch for that whole thing to play out. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things behind the scenes that all have to shake themselves out over the next few months. I don't have the answer to it, but I'm, I'm definitely here to watch to see how it goes. Christian Craig, pretty good, right? Racking up top tens. Good day yesterday. Didn't really make it on TV a lot or anything you wouldn't know from just watching the race. But speaking with Connor Fields, who is his kind of mental coach, I think that's kind of the last thing that CC has been missing is just the confidence, right? He has the talent. He has the ability. He has a technique. He has a factory HRC Honda 450. But until you believe that you're good enough to get in there and battle with those guys, none of that other stuff matters. So 7-6 on the day, he was he stayed with Tomac almost the entire moto, both motos. So that's, that's saying something in itself. And confidence only leads to more confidence. And he's stringing good finishes together. So he is on his way to Monster Star Yamaha next year, as is seemingly everybody, as I keep saying. But watch for Christian Craig to continue to build off this. And if he can stay healthy the rest of the season and have a really great offseason, watch for Christian Craig to be a race winner in, on a Monster Star Yamaha 250 in 2021. I think he is laying the foundation for a really successful season next year and building confidence, which, as I said, is the number one thing I think that Christian needs to work on is believing in himself, believing that he's good enough to win. Because when I watch him, I'm like, dude, how are you not winning races? 
when you're racing 250 guys, 250 supercross, how are you not beating those guys? You are so damn good. And then you look at the results sheet and you're like, this doesn't make sense at all. So a critical year for 2021 for Christian Craig, he really needs to prove himself if he wants to continue to stay on factory equipment. That's it for the 450 guys going into WW ranch. This is going to be the toughest fitness test these guys face. In my opinion, I don't think you're going to see hot temperatures. It's already going into the fall for Colorado, right? So it's going to be probably mild. Hopefully we don't get bad weather, but I think it'll be mild at worst case, but you're looking for mid eighties in Florida. And that means it'll be hot in the morning. It'll be warm already for the, uh, the first motos and then pretty hot for the second motos. Humidity be, will be up as we've seen all these hurricanes roll through. That's a, there's a lot of humidity in the Atlantic and the Gulf. So it's going to be the toughest race these guys face. And if you're, if you have any sort of fitness deficiency, it's going to show up. Now it's not going to be the brutal suffer fest. We saw June of 19, but it's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be a difficult day and watch for guys like Marv. Can they withstand that second moto pace on a really hot day? I think for guys like Zach Osborne, he can't wait, right? Because that's his strength. That's where he showed up really in 2019 was the second moto when everybody's struggling and they're just like, oh my God, please throw the checkered flag already. That's when Zach Osborne's like, no, no, no. Can we add 10 more minutes to this moto? Because that's where I'm going to make up points. So it will be interesting. I think having the brutal days like that adds something to the series. It changes the dynamic a little bit because we went from ideal conditions, right? Mid sixties didn't seem like many people were getting tired. You just saw flat out sprinting the entire moto at spring Creek to the other side of that coin where it's going to be a, a brutal day, maybe not nineties, but it's going to be eighties. It'll be hot. Guys will be feeling it. So it's going to, it's going to ask a lot, right? It's going to ask different questions than we saw at spring Creek, because I think the questions asked at spring Creek were how fast can you go? The track was perfect. That first 450 moto and 250 moto, the track was ideal. Berms were all rebuilt. There were real, no bumps, really no bumps to speak of. And the guys were just full send the entire way around the track. So it was almost who's the fastest guy where I think WW ranch is going to be more. Who's the fittest guy. Who's the strongest guy who put in the most work to prepare for days like this. Um, so that's cool. I, I like to see back to back, um, changing dynamics and changing questions being asked of riders. And you have to have every aspect of your game completely dialed in to be able to respond on in both of those situations. You also have, right, the momentum that Zach Osborne is going to need to right the ship and get this series back, trending back his way. And Adam Cincerillo is going to be like, no, no, we're going the right way, right? I just cut this thing down. I just put myself back into championship contention. Let's keep going, right? Let's bring this championship down to single digits. And let's make this thing a, a real barn burner heading into the last two rounds. So both, there's going to be a lot of push-pull there, and we'll see how that goes. The last thing I wanted to talk about here is this whole Ryan Dungey thing. Now, he was in the booth, right, helping Grant Langston and Jason Wygant in those second motos. And if you've been following closely at all, you'll know that he is in talks to race again in 2021. I don't know what he's thinking. I think this is a bad idea, and I'm going to put this on the front end. Now, Ryan Dungey probably could care less what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. But I've seen this happen a lot of times, right? Guys retire. They retire pretty young. You know, I think Ryan was 27, same as Villapoto. They get away from it, and they're able to get some time off, regroup a little bit, enjoy life a little bit. You know, they're wealthy guys. They've made a ton of money racing, which they earned championships and race wins and all these things. And then they kind of wonder like, okay, what's next, right? Unless you immediately jump into some sort of business venture, which fuels that competitive fire that these guys have. I think you find yourself in this no man's land of your directionless because your whole life has been geared towards you're very goal oriented is what I'm trying to say. And then when that stops, you lose that competitive fire. You don't have any way to channel that. You don't have something. Okay. Every day when I wake up, I'm working towards this. This is where I'm focusing all of my efforts. It's the first thing I think about. It's the last thing I think about when I go to bed that goes away. And yeah, of course, it's great to spend time with, with family and friends. And, you know, Ryan had a baby in the last couple year or two. That's all great. But I think at some point, the desire to be competitive again creeps in. And in my opinion, the best thing to do with something like that is either start a new business where you can channel all that 
or get get competitive in something else that's safe, triathlons, marathons, bicycle, whatever, right? Whatever your interests are, go that route because man, racing supercross is a big risk. And we saw him, you know, he had that neck injury, which I, I think scared him a little bit. And then he kind of exited stage, right? And you're looking at, it, he's been gone for a couple years now. It's not like the pace has gotten slower. It's more competitive than it's ever been. You look at the guys that have come in, Cincerillo's and Sexton's, Tomac's still in his prime, Marv's back, Osborne is peaking. All these guys are raising the bar. You know, Baggett's found his groove again. So to think you're going to come back in and replicate the success you had, I think that's asking a lot. And maybe he can. He, he's not old. What, is he 30 maybe now? It's not impossible. But it's going to be really tough. You're going to put your own team together. You're going to come off of this big layoff, and you're – because because the biggest problem here is that anything less than winning or getting on the podium is going to it's going to feel like he failed and i maybe i'm overstating fail but i think he's just going to be frustrated he is going to come in let's say he goes out at anaheim one right well i shouldn't say anaheim one because i don't think we're going to anaheim wherever the first round is in january if he doesn't get on the podium let's say he gets fifth let's say he gets seventh right that's absolutely possible in this class. These guys are going to be sending it. Barsha, if he ends up a gas gas like we think, he's going to be great on that bike. That bike is going to be really competitive. It's going to be a factory KTM in, you know, realistic terms. So for him, he could go out there and get sixth. He's going to be so pissed off when he comes back to the truck because he knows all he's ever known is winning and being on the podium in that class. Sixth place is going to be a huge letdown. And I think he's going to be really frustrated wondering if he made the right decision. That's the downside. Now, the upside, maybe he's this is going to be a financial windfall for him. I don't think it is. I think he's going to make some money. But you're talking about a guy that has millions of dollars in the bank. I think it's just because he's a little bit bored and he he misses it. He misses that competitive drive and that goal-oriented day-to-day life. And, yeah, you want to be in the spotlight again, right? He wants to be Ryan Dungey's Supercross champ again. And I think you see that with a lot of guys. You think, you know, I think Ryan Villapoto has gone through that. I know Chad Reed still goes through that where they want to be Chad Reed and Ryan Dungey. They want to be the guys that people are just waiting in line for autographs for. And the world is kind of revolving around them. You know, that's, that's a really addictive dynamic. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's all they've ever known. And they've earned that right. But when it suddenly goes from just crazy, hectic, life racing globally and everything revolves around you to immediate stop and you live in Minnesota and the pace of life slows down significantly. I think that's a really big adjustment to go through. And at some point it's probably awesome at first. And and I know it firsthand, it's awesome at first because you don't have anything pressing, right? You can, you can make your schedule, whatever you want it to be. If you want to go to Jamaica for two weeks with the family, let's go. What else you got to do? Nothing. You have no responsibility. No one is expecting anything of you. No one is taking up your time. But that only lasts for so long, right? You do that for so long and you get to do everything you ever wanted to do. You go on these vacations and you get to have coffee in bed with, you know, like Alden's not calling you saying, hey, dude, we got to go. We got a bicycle ride like right now. Like, where are you? That's not happening anymore. You get to kind of steer your own ship. And that's great for a while. And then it comes to the point where, you know, and and this is where I come back to, you kind of wonder, okay, what's next here? You know, you saw Ryan get in in and out of that Geico Honda deal for whatever reason. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. You see him get out of that. And I think he's just searching for a little bit of direction. He knows he wants to be a part of something, but it wasn't kind of coming together. And I think that's leading him back to going racing because he's searching for that feeling. He's searching for that place to kind of get that competitiveness going again. I just don't know that racing at this level is necessarily the best decision. And that's his decision to make, not mine. But what I, what I fear for him, of course, we all fear him coming back and hurting himself. That would be terrible. And I'm not even going to really entertain that because I don't even want to think about it. But what I think is more realistic is he puts in all this effort. And we know Ryan Dungey does not cut corners with training or any aspect of that. If he does it, he's going to be all in. That's the only way he knows how to go about it. 
But what I fear is he comes back and he's not as competitive with these guys as he wants to be. You know, AC and these guys have pushed the pace up to where maybe he's not comfortable pushing that pace. Just like we saw his last stint of outdoors and supercross, you have, you know, he, he wasn't comfortable pushing the envelope where those guys want to go. And as you get older, that's tougher to do. It's tougher to kind of turn your brain off, you know, little metaphor there, but turn your brain off and just send it. You just got to go forget about injury, forget about anything else. You just have to take big risks. I don't think he's going to want to do that. I don't think he wanted to do that two or three years ago. And it's only going to be tougher at 30 years old to do that. When you, you have everything you ever wanted, you have financial security, you have a family, you have a daughter, you have everything that you possibly could want in life already, right? All these things that you worked for and you sacrificed your whole youth to accomplish, you did it. You won supercross titles, you won outdoor titles, you won motocross the nations. You were the best rider in the world for a time to come back and try to do it again is asking a lot. These, these, the, you know, the world doesn't slow down for you when you step away. It just keeps, these guys keep getting better and the pace keeps getting higher and the bikes keep improving and you have to evolve with that or you get left behind. So we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. And, and I hope I'm wrong because as a fan, if I just take myself out of all of those situations and I'm just a fan, this is awesome. Like having another contender jump back in and a, a past champion jump back in is great. That's just another guy that can, can add flair and entertainment to the series. So on that end, I'm all in. But as a former racer and a guy who's been around this sport on the inside my entire life, I think it's going to be really, really challenging for him. You know, he's not going to have this huge team of techs around him because he's going to be leasing Honda equipment is what it sounds like. So he's not going to have the entire HRC Honda team helping him, right? He's going to have whatever he pays for on that front, but their goal is going to be Ken Roxon and Chase Sexton winning races and probably Justin Brayton in some aspect not necessarily, Hey, we need to put all this effort into Ryan Dungey, like Red Bull KTM did for years and years. And then Suzuki before that, all they, those teams cared about was Ryan Dungey winning races. That's not going to be now, right? Whoever it's on his team, they will be thinking about that, but he's not going to have an entire OEM staff working to have him win. And that's going to be a little bit different. That's going to be something he's going to have to adjust to. I watched Chad Reed go through that dynamic and it's not easy. You don't, you know, you go talk to the OEM and they're like, yeah, okay, we'll help you when we can. But we have, we have millions of dollars invested in Ken Roxon and a lot of money invested in Chase Sexton for the future too. We got to worry about those guys first and then we'll help, we'll help you Ryan as much as we can, but you are not our primary concern. And that's not something that Ryan's ever dealt with or faced before. So I'm getting long winded on this, but I think this is going to be a very interesting situation to stay on top of and watch on every front. Hopefully he goes racing. I I think for me as you know, I'm not a journalist, but writing about this, talking about this. And then as a fan, I hope he does it because it's going to be, it's going to add more storylines. But as a former racer, I'm like, I don't know if this is the best idea I've ever heard in my life, but we'll see, right? None, none of this is up for me to decide. I'm, I'm purely speculating and, and we'll report on every side of it, but what a, what a development. I would have never never guessed that this was going to happen. You know, Anaheim won 2020 sitting there. If you said, Hey man, I think Dungey's going to race in 21. I'd be like, yeah, right. You are out of your mind. Why would he ever do that? He has all the money family. He doesn't need to, to put himself or subject himself to all this. Again, all this risk, all this drama, this, com- all this competition and the fear of failure, fear of injury, all those things that creep in your mind as you get older, he doesn't have to deal with any of that. He has, he has the money. He are, he has the championships. He has the legacy that's never going to be able to take an, be taken away from him. He has all of it. All the things that as a racer, I would have wanted that I never got. He, he accomplished all those things. So it's crazy to me that he wants to go back down that road again. Seems like he does though. So anyway, thank you to everybody for listening today. Uh, I love talking about things like the Ryan Dungey dynamic. I like talking about the racing too, don't get me wrong, but the intricacies of this sport really interest me more than just talking about, yeah, this guy got fifth and why. Uh, 
So I hope there is more of this and, and I will certainly keep you up to speed on what I hear on the Dungy front. But I want to thank all the sponsors too. Thank you everybody for listening. WW Ranch is up next. Check out the Patreon podcast. It will be up Saturday morning before WW Ranch. If you want more kind of up to speed fantasy advice and last minute rumor stuff, patreon.com slash industry seating. Thank you to everyone who has already joined over there. And we will talk to you again next weekend. See you.